we welcome you to the REST podcast. The messages you will hear have been taken from sessions from past REST conferences. We pray that God will use this message to encourage and strengthen you in your walk with the Lord and your ministry for Him. Take your Bibles, please, and turn this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. As we look at this passage of Scripture, we're reminded again what the Lord has given to each of us as ministers of the gospel. And the Lord, of course, wants us to be faithful. Uh, We're going to be accountable uh, to the Lord uh, one day as we stand before Him. And for everything that we do in this body, the Bible says, be it good or bad, uh, we're going to give an account on. Let's read together 1 Corinthians chapter 4 as the Apostle Paul was writing uh, to this church with a very contentious spirit in Corinth. And uh, he's exposing their prejudices and all of this. Uh, But Paul uh, writes and says, let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of a man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self, for I know nothing by myself, yet I am not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. If you would underscore, please, the statement, no doubt we've all looked at this text, preached this message, and times gone by or taught it, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Paul acknowledges here that Christians, especially pastors, are going to be closely examined by others. No doubt they're always watching our lives. He does not suggest And certainly we recognize it's not scriptural that we judge one another, pointing the finger at someone else. But he does remind us, if you'll notice this phrase, that we're ministers of Christ, representing the Lord Jesus Christ. The truth of it is every child of God is recognized as a a Christian, and we recognize that we need to be a a child of God, Christ-like in every area of our life. As I'm speaking to you today, many of you have been in the ministry much longer than myself. I think of my brother who's pastored the same church over in Kannapolis uh, for 50 years. He went there when he was 25. I'll not tell you his age, but he went there when he was 25 years old and been faithful all these many years. What a blessing, what an example. I did not uh, surrender the call to preach till later in life. And God was still in my heart. I taught the Sunday school lesson and sang in the choir. We sang in a group and that kind of thing. And we'd give testimony, go soul winning, go bus calling, all of those things. Uh, But right in the middle of a successful career, God called me to preach. And uh, I was making good money, traveling, a lot of benefits. And God certainly was blessing our home. And we just desired to be faithful to the Lord. But the closer that I was drawing to the Lord, the more the Lord was speaking to my own heart. And so when I was 33 years old, God called me to preach. Scott was born when I was 25. Scott was just eight years old then when I surrendered call to preach. And so I would preach up those hollers in West Virginia, wherever my daddy preached. Well, they would call me, let's get Preacher Paulie's boy. 
And um, so I preached a lot of those churches many times, the same time, same message, you know, with just working every day, traveling all over the country. Uh, it's just an amazing story what God has done in, in our life. And I remember Scott and Stacy going with us to church and listening to us preach. And I guess they felt sorry for Dad. If nobody came to the altar, they had finally come themselves, you know, and helped me out a little bit. Uh, but... Uh, I preached at a church that my father preached at uh, back in the, the, the late uh, 50s. My dad actually pastored there from 49 to 55. My two older brothers were saved in the church that I pastor now. Uh, the fellow that followed my daddy was there for 34 years. And uh, I thought, wow, that's a long time. And so I'd preached there, re youth revivals and such, and they called me to become his pastor by vocation and pastored by vocation for seven years. And during that time, I was learning a lot and uh, going through a lot and um, did not realize all that my dad had gone through until you pastored. You never know what a pastor goes through. Uh, but I am reminded that my father was very sensitive of being a faithful steward. And I recognized that that's what God had called me to, to be and to do, to be a faithful steward. And so we just did what God had instructed us to do, be faithful to the Lord. And God brought us through some wonderful days, no question about it. There's been many times that I wondered, well, where is this going to go? And did I really make the right decision? Uh, but I'm thankful for the decision uh, that we made. Uh, when I answered a call to preach, little did I realize that our son, just a few years later, would answer the call to preach. A.W. Tozer said, the choices that we make today determine who we are tomorrow. And may I go one step farther with that? The, choice that we, the choices we make today also determine where our children are tomorrow. I'm thankful for the opportunity that God has given us and certainly praise God for the heritage that has been left behind. But I cannot stand before the Lord on what my daddy did or what my son is doing. I'll stand for myself. And all of us must give an account of that which we've done. We certainly believe that there's only one requirement for salvation, and, and that is to believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, and thou shalt be saved. But as a Christian, we all recognize that there is a requirement, uh, that we're going to all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of everything we've done in this body, be it good or bad. Every person, every child of God, one who knows Christ as their personal Savior, has been given an assignment. And God has given us preachers an assignment, and I desire to just be faithful to the Lord. I appreciate this conference, and it's a time that we can come apart. Someone said a long time ago, if you don't take time to come apart, you will come apart. And so it's good to fellowship with brothers in the Lord and to be encouraged uh, by the Lord or through, the, through men who have already gone before us and are living the life as a pastor. And we share one another. We recognize we are bearing one another's burdens. And we all have the same issues, regardless of the size of the church. And when we think about all of these terms that are here, Paul describes himself, he and Apollos, as ministers of Christ. And when you understand what that means, ministers of Christ, it's actually talking about the under rowers of a huge ship. He's not talking about pastors being the captain of the ship. Rather, they're the slaves that are in the hinder part of the ship or the under rowers that are moving the ship along. 
You see, I do not own Cranberry Baptist Church. I'm just a steward that God has placed me at that time. You're at your church as a steward for this time and life. We're not the captain. We're not the president. We're not the CEO. Uh, we're the slaves. We're the under rowers that's moving the ship along. And so we're reminded in this text that as a steward that we'll stand before the Lord and give an account of everything that we've done. A steward is one that's been placed in charge of another's estate. His belongings, all, it all belongs to the Lord. The estate does not belong to the steward, but he's responsible. He's the overseer. He's the guardian. As a steward, he's accountable. Just like every child of God is accountable before God, certainly we are accountable. And to he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, the Bible says, to him it is sin. And so as a child of God, and as we grow in the Lord, as we're pastoring, uh, then we're going to stand accountable for everything uh, that we've done as a child of God. What does it mean? I would like for you to write two or three things down regarding this in the way of introduction. Required in stewards, meaning that we must be trustworthy. Trustworthy. A worthy of your master's complete trust and confidence. Trustworthy. Are you a trustworthy steward? Well, the Bible reminds us in Titus chapter 1, verse 7, that a bishop is to be blameless as a steward of God. There's no one knows us like family. But may I say, no one really knows you like God himself. Was it Spurgeon that said that character is what you are in the dark? Now, let me go one step farther. Character is who you are when no one else is around who you are in your mind or in your heart. Now, the Lord knows exactly our thoughts, our intentions. He knows the dark, deep recesses of our heart. There's no question. So as a child of God, as a minister of Christ, we must be a good steward that is trustworthy. Secondly, a steward must be one that is responsible. We have a great obligation to the master to be responsible stewards of all that he places in our hand. Time, talent, treasure, all of those things belong to the Lord. And God has blessed us and God has allowed us to be good stewards. I thank God for the children that God has given us, a son and a daughter. Uh, little did we realize that as I would, Marsha and I would surrender to the Lord completely, and we were, we were always faithful, try to be faithful in the church, going soul winning, singing in the choir, teaching Sunday school class, going bus calling, and trying to bring our children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord <clears throat> to understand what it was to serve God. Spending our Saturdays out knocking doors, winning people to Christ, and the kids witnessing that and understanding that. They got a hold of it. It got in their heart. And God's done wonderful things. Our daughter is married to a preacher, and Ty is our associate pastor at Cranberry, your best buddy growing up, and Brother Bixler's dad's church up in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And uh, he's, a, he's a great preacher. Sometimes he's, he doesn't think he is, but he's a great preacher and a, and a great man of God, loves the Lord, a soul winner. And thank God for what God has given us. That doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by accident. It's as we seek the Lord. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you, Matthew 6, 33. Required in stewards that he be trustworthy. 
that he be responsible. Would you write it down? And that required that a steward be persistent and to be faithful as a Christian till the battle's won. The Bible says, be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of life. And then lastly here, required in stewards that he be obedient. And the Lord says, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's about being obedient to the Lord. And so as a child of God, we all recognize we're going to stand before the Lord, but if we're going to be that steward uh, that leads others, uh, then God wants us to be trustworthy. He desires that we be a person uh, that's responsible, take on that responsibility, knowing that we're accountable for it. He desires that we be obedient to Him in every area of our life, and in that to be persistent, regardless of what may be taking place. Others are always watching our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse number 9, Paul writes, Wherefore we labor that whether we, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him, and knowing that we're all going to stand before the Lord. I notice in this passage of Scripture, as he's speaking, moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Faithful. He desires that we be obedient in our life, be responsible, be trustworthy, all of these things, but it comes down to it just that one word of being faithful to the Lord. I'd like for you to turn with me, please, back to the book of Acts, chapter number 20. We find in this passage of Scripture the Apostle Paul as he's on his third missionary journey, spending the time that he spent in Ephesus for three years. As you come down to the middle part of chapter 20 of the book of Acts, we find in this text in verse number 17, and from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know that from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. And then he says, verse 19, would you read it with me, the first three words, serving the Lord. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying and weight of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul was a man, no doubt, who was used mightily by the Lord. But he went through some trials. He went through a lot of heartache. He had great persecution that would come up against him. But you'll notice in this text that he says of himself that from the first day that I came to you. Would you write this thought down? That the Lord desires that we be faithful in ministry. We need to be faithful to what God has called us to do. No question about it. And we're going to stand before the Lord. And he, again, reminds us in this passage of Scripture that from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. At all seasons. Oh, we've had some good days at Cranberry. Wonderful days that far outweigh the bad days. And you say, preacher, you mean you pastor church and you say you've had some bad days? I'm talking about some bad seasons. And you wonder, 
Lord, what are you doing through this? Why is this happening? And I went through some things that I never thought I would face. Now, keep in mind that God had called me right in the midst of a successful career in upper management. God was supplying every need that we had. We had no need for anything at all. And when we went to Cranberry, we went there just to be a servant of the Lord, just to be obedient to the Lord. And after much prayer and supplication, the church began to grow, and and we just knew that the Lord would desire that we just be full-time. And so I made a commitment to the Lord. God would lead us and guide us through this. The church, um, the, the company agreed that I could work there by vocation, and we made a decision quickly between the president and, my, and myself, the president of the company, uh, that if it ever becomes a conflict, I want you to know, sir, I've already made my decision as to what we need to do. There wasn't a conflict, but the church was continued to grow. And when we decided to resign from the company, we had been there 27 years. The first seven years of our pastorate was by vocation. And so we resigned from the company after 27 years. And the Lord just blessed. It just, he just kept blessing. And we praised God for it, what God was, had been doing. Right in the middle of that, the old devil raised his ugly head. Now, none of you have never gone through any of that. You've never had somebody to charge you falsely or to get in your face and tell you what they really thought of you and just mow you down to, as Daddy would say, a gnat wouldn't even light on you. And you sometimes you, you wondered, uh, you know, what in the world have I done? And I can't tell you the number of times that I've been on the phone with my brother. Help. <laughs> help. And more importantly, on my knees before the Lord, my wife and I crying out to God. Is this the right decision? Have we made the right move? And we've all had it where you win people to the Lord and then they start growing in the Lord and becoming faithful and serving the Lord. And then all of a sudden they go to another church and you're like, really? You preach funerals of individuals, and you're there by their bedside, and, and sometime later they just walk away. And we're human. We're flesh. And many times we, we wonder, well, is this really the way it's supposed to be? But the Apostle Paul reminds us here that, <laughs> look, I've been with you from the very first day, and you know my manner of life. You know my sincerity. You know that I've been with you in all seasons, meaning I've been with you through thick and thin. I've been with you night and day. I've been with you all the way. Serving the Lord. As you read this text, you'll see quickly that the Apostle Paul says, after what manner I've been with you. Consistently. God wants us to be faithful. That means consistent. Consistent in our life, consistent in our conduct, consistent in our preaching, consistent in our conversation, consistent. Just be faithful to the Lord. And Paul says, I've been with you in these areas with two goals in mind. He had two goals. You'll find it here of winning those to Christ and bringing 
others closer to the Lord. That was Paul's desire. By the way, that should be the desire of every pastor. Winning people to Christ and that others would draw closer to the Lord and surrender to His service. Serving the Lord with all humility in mind with many tears. Many tears. Reminded in Romans chapter 9, verse number 2, when Paul says that he had great heaviness of heart and continual sorrow for his people. In chapter 10, he says that I would wish my life accursed. Uh, Paul knew what it was to have a burden to see lost people, his own family, to come to know Christ as their Savior. Paul recognized again what God had done in his own life he wanted to do in the lives of others, and so he prayed constantly, and the Bible says, with tears. May we never lose our tears. Sometimes we're crying only because things are bad, things are upside down, but may it be tears of crying out for God to save others and have a heaviness of heart. May we never lose the main objective. Notice what he says in temptations which befell me. By the lying in wait of the Jews. He always had someone against him, someone coming against him in every area of his life. Here's a man that was saved on the road to Damascus. What was he doing? He was persecuting Christians. He was trying to wipe them off of planet earth. But God called him. By the way, God's called us. And he took our life from wherever we were and placed us in a place of great responsibility and authority, no doubt. But we're just a servant to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're a steward. We're the under rower. We're that person, again, that is to be obedient to the Lord and bringing others to Christ. And again, helping others to draw closer to the Lord. We're a servant. Adrian Rogers said, God does not measure a man by how many servants he has, but how many men he serves. Think about it. God does not measure men by how many servants he has, but the number of men he serves. A servant, we're a bond slave. We're a bond slave. And Paul, again, reminds us of this in this text. I've written down three or four thoughts. Availability brings responsibility. And responsibility brings accountability. All God desired of Roger Pauley was just to make yourself available to the Lord. And with that availability, there's some responsibility. As we take on that responsibility, others are watching our lives. We're the shepherd. We're to guide. And we're, again, to, to feed the sheep. We're responsible. We're to care. For the sheep. Uh, but in that responsibility, there is accountability that all of us must face. Now, I'm not sure this is a word, but I would like for you to write the word down if you can spell it. Acceptability. Maybe it is a word. <clears throat> Acceptability. You see, we all want to be re- accepted. We all want to be received. We all desire, I'm going to pull a Scott Pauley here. We all desire, again, to, uh, for f- folks to like us to accept us, but sometimes they reject us instead. The Apostle Paul desired, no doubt, to be accepted or received. The question comes as we think about decisions that we make, what motivates a preacher? 
What motivates a preacher? What motivates a child of God? Growing up all those many years in sales, it's embedded in my heart, my mind. When you think about things that motivate us, there's five things that motivate us on everything we do. Every decision you make, every purchase you make, everything that we do in life, we do for one of these five reasons. Pride, profit, fear, love, or need. Think about it. Everything we do. Pride, we make a lot of decisions because we're proud and we're proud people. Profit, hope to gain something, so I'll do this investment or I'll buy this piece of property. I make this decision. Profit, fear, sometimes we make decisions based on fear. And so we buy insurance, so there's fear. That's what causes us to do that. Love, we buy it because we love our children, we love our family, we want to provide for them. Or need, some need, pride, profit, fear, love, or need. Now think about it regarding us as preachers, and many of you have been pastoring much longer than me, preaching much longer than me. But think about it, is it in any of those, pride, profit, (laughs) fear, love, need? I think we could pull one out real quick. For Paul writes, it's the love of Christ that constraineth me. That's why we do what we do, because God has called us and because we love the Lord. But what keeps us going? What keeps us going in a pandemic? What keeps us going through a building program? What keeps us going when leadership even turn on you, when you have that family that's so disgruntled, or when you have that preacher that is attacking you from across town, when you have that, uh, that family that uh, makes accusations against you and your church, what keeps us going? It's the love of Christ that constraineth us. Years ago, I had a man... They came up against me, and wow, I had never had anything like that before in my life. And in management, you're able to deal with a lot of people. You know, there's a lot of similarities to one who's in managing and one who's a pastor. But one thing that's not there that I had in management, if someone didn't do what we asked them to do, you know what we do? We have a fire sale. And if you don't sell, you get fired. That's the way that worked. Uh, But when you have somebody come up against you as a pastor, someone in the church, you can't just fire them. You can't even dismiss them. I tried even getting rid of them. They keep showing up. So what do you do? You know, I had a guy who was going to get a lawyer. He was going to do this, and I'm going to sue you. I'm going to sue the church. And I went through all of that. I mean, he was my worst nightmare. But you know what? Through all of that, I look back. Those days were days when I was just drawing closer to the Lord. You know, sometimes God allows us to go through the thick and the thin that we would turn to the Lord. Could it be that during this pandemic that God has actually drawn us closer to the Lord? Marcia and I believe that God has actually used this to draw us closer to each other. We've been spending a lot more time. Our schedule had changed drastically last year different. 
And God can take the worst of situations in your life, even in the church, to get good out of it. God does prune. God does open doors. And when we think this is the worst thing that could ever happen to me, God has something on the other side. Isn't that a wonderful thought? And so it's the love of Christ that constraineth us. This is what the Apostle Paul said. I've written down these five, or excuse me, I said five, eight major conflicts. Tom Rainer, uh, we most, uh, most of us are familiar with uh, Tom Rainer. And, of course, Rainer also says that during this pandemic that most likely churches will lose 20% of their congregation, 20%. What does that mean? Well, look, could be that God is doing a pruning. Could be that God is opening the door for more or others to come in. We don't know what God's doing, but God is in charge. Did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurred to God? God knows exactly what's going on. If he's the author and the finisher of our faith, then surely he knows what's in between. Amen? Praise God for it. Write these down, would you please? When we think about things that you've gone through, and you could probably add to this list, but let's start with these. First of all, it's criticism. Criticism. If a man's not doing something, if a man's not preaching the truth, he most likely is not going to be criticized. Uh, But if you're preaching the truth, you're going to be criticized. As a child of God, we recognize that in the world you shall have tribulation. The Lord says, but be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. We're going to have conflict. Number two, we're going to have conflict. Conflict somewhere along the way. Pastors are not immune to stress and depression. Getting to the place where you think that no one else really understands and no one else really cares but God knows exactly where we are. And we've all had days that we were just so high. I mean, we've left the church and I think, praise God, I needed this. The Lord blessed today. It was a great crowd, good spirit, folks saved, people baptized, new folks coming in. We're excited. Those are wonderful days, aren't they, Brother Joel? But then there are those days when you're like, oh, where is everybody? I mean, where's... And sometimes... If you're not careful, you can sit on the platform before you go to the pulpit and look across the congregation as to see who's absent, and it'll affect you in your preaching that morning. David writes in Psalm 37 to rest in the Lord. Just rest in the Lord. God knows exactly what's going on. And sometimes, I, you've probably never done this, I've sat on the platform over here on this side where I sat, and and I look back, and I see ushers not doing their job, and I'm like, I can't believe it. You know, I want to, why don't you seat those people? Why don't you greet those people properly? Somebody turn the air down. Somebody turn the heat up. I mean, we can sit on the platform. How many have been guilty of doing any of that? Amen. Thank you. I'm not by myself. I mean, we get so aggravated even before we go, I can't believe this. I just can't believe this. Where's, where's Charlie? Where, why are these people in the choir? I mean, we're just think the devil wants to defeat us every way he possibly can. You know why? The devil knows you have a message to bring. 
The devil knows who's in that service that morning. The devil knows exactly that when you preach the word of God, it will not return void. God will speak to hearts, but if he can get us distracted just for a moment. Amen. Now, you help me with this because this is my first church that I've ever pastored. First church. So I'm still learning and I'm still growing. But I understand there's some things that are going on. Now watch this. Not only does he have criticism and conflict, but also, may I say, there's always those times of stress and depression for sure. And then burnout. Times of burnout. Burnout. Why do pastors leave the ministry so many times because of one of these major conflicts? Could be that criticism or conflict, stress or depression. Could be burnout. How about family problems? Family problems. You know, if the devil can get Marsh and I at each other on our way to church, he will. I'm in the car, she's not coming, and I'm blowing the horn, and, you know, we're ready to go. And, you know, when the kids were little, well, you know, why, why's Scott not up? I can talk about him now, he's out of the room. Why Scott not up? And uh, where's Stacy? You know, all kinds of things. Uh, so family problems. And there are a lot of men, no doubt, who have serious family problems. I thank God for the wife that God has given me. Uh, she didn't grow up in a preacher's home. She didn't grow up in a deacon's home. She grew up in a layman's home who loved the Lord and told me often he never felt qualified to be a deacon. But I want you to know, my father-in-law was more qualified than most deacons I know. But he was such a humble man, big, tall man, coal miner, rough man. I mean, he, could, he, was, he was tough. He was a man's man. But he never felt qualified to be a deacon. But he was faithful to the Lord. What a blessing. But Marcia, she knew what it was to serve the Lord and go to church and be faithful. Sad but true is this area of sexual immorality that oftentimes begins with pornography or some lustful desire. Pastors are not immune, and it happens. And the devil knows exactly where your weak point is, and he'll know how to come against you, and he does. And these eight is an area of financial where a man is not able to schedule his finances properly, doesn't have a budget, living outside his budget, getting overwhelmed financially, a burden. And then this one is a big one, is time management. In management, I recognize in talking to our men over the years that you cannot manage time. When we talk about time management, there's no such thing but it is you managing yourself, knowing what your priorities are. I still make me a list of priorities. I've many times, 10 things that I need to do this week and try to check those all. Time will get away from you. And the older I get, the more I realize I'm reminiscing and talking about yesteryear and all of that. And uh, it's, it's something. You wait till you're three score and 10, amen? But I'm in the Bible, three score and ten. It's mentioned in the Bible. But the more that we talk about yesteryear, the less we're doing today. And we, time can get away from us. 
that time management or managing one's time. These are major conflicts. These, this is Tom Rainer's, but it's good stuff. And I recognize all of these things, criticism or conflict, family problems, stress or depression, burnout, sexual immorality, with a pastor being drawn to that, the devil's coming against you, financial problems, or time management. And yet, we're required in stewards, the Bible says, to be found faithful. There's so many things that we'd like to talk about, think about in this passage of Scripture, but let's go back to verse 19, and I'm done. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and many tears and temptations which befall me by the lying in the weight of the Jews. Paul said, I've been faithful to you from house to house. Notice in verse number 24, he says these words, but none of these things move me. Neither count I myself dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Brother Mike, I count it a joy to be a part of the Lord's work. And I thank God for the church that he's given us. And the Lord being my helper, I'd like for this to be the first and the last church. And pray that God will help us in all of that. But you know, somewhere, even when you're not pastoring, you're still in the ministry. You still can be used by the Lord. That's my desire as I grow older. I want us all to recognize again that God has given us the greatest calling on planet Earth. And I count it a joy, a privilege, an honor. And may we always take the responsibility seriously and knowing that God wants to use all of us, even through tears and temptations as the Apostle Paul faced. Thank you for listening. We hope that the Lord has used this message to speak to you. The REST Conference is a meeting designed to encourage and strengthen pastors, missionaries, evangelists, and their wives, along with other Christian workers serving the Lord in their local churches. REST 2022 is scheduled for September 5th through the 7th at the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. We hope that you and your spouse will make plans to be with us. For more information on REST, please visit our website, therestconference.com.